When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Manchester United are bad. Again, uh, I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett to talk about everything to do with Manchester United. And it, Rob just said before we started recording, it's time to talk about how crap Manchester United are for the seventh time. And I was like, it's been more than seven times, Rob, hasn't it? Oh, that number seven again. Um, Rob, how are you doing? Well, I've been better, obviously. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it is time to talk about why Manchester United are bad again. Um, I think we jinxed it, didn't we, with the League Cup. Everyone got very high that you won the League Cup, you got a little bit of silverware, and too many people thought things are solved. And it's very difficult sometimes being the stoic one, you know, like in our communities where you're, you take your foot off the ass and go, no, things are not fixed, guys. Let's just get there slowly and we will get there. We're still on this journey. You see it. The Newcastle game showed it. And I think we've seen it plenty of times this season. So, yeah, the seventh time, I think, is more of a metaphor because it's multiple times. And I'm telling you this now, we'll be doing it in future content as well. Yeah, most likely. Man United play. Oh, what a lovely game they have at Old Trafford against Brentford on Wednesday. That one looks tough. Then you got Everton, 12.30 on Saturday. Also looks quite tough. Yeah. And that's Everton. Uh, United need to buck their ideas up a little bit. Two more games without Casemiro and Christian Eriksen, by the looks of it, unless mm. uh, some miraculous uh, Christian Eriksen recovery happens in the next couple of days. But yes, uh, Man United losing 2-0 at Newcastle. They're now fifth in the Premier League, although not quite alarm bells going off just yet because United are on 50 points in the league table alongside Tottenham and Newcastle. Tottenham played two games more. Tottenham doing their own thing on Monday night at Everton, <laughs> which was uh, quite interesting. There are other teams in this mix as well, still, although a little bit further back. Uh, I think one thing we do know is United need to buck their ideas up pretty quickly and start playing a bit better than they have been in recent games in order to get back into pole position. Because I do think if you, they can brush uh, that defeat off on Sunday win the next two games in some kind of encouraging fashion, uh, then things will be forgotten about and I'll be looking forward again. But it's a big, big but. Can they do it? <laughs> Are they able to do that? Uh, we'll talk about it today. Subscribe wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Although this week, I think we'll be back on Thursday, uh, given it's Easter weekend in the UK. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us, and you can follow us on Twitter as well, underscore Scott Saunders, underscore Rob, underscore B, and at PromiseLandMU for the show. Uh, this will mainly be all about that game and what was wrong and what is wrong and how Man United fix it. Uh, because it's obvious. I know United have won a cup this season. They've had a good run at times. they put in some good performances, had some good wins. But... Old habits die hard, mm. as was evidenced at St. James's Park. Rob, why were Man United really bad then, is my opening point. I think there's a, a whole list of problems that we could literally do a two-hour show on and break them down and have an autopsy. But we're not going to do that. We'll try and give you the highlights and work through it that way. I think with United, the, the, the same issues from the same players remains. Like, you know, like you know, we talk about reinventing the wheel and why Ten Hag's done well and the tactics that have worked and the bits that haven't worked. 
I think there is a consistency through the line of the season of stuff that we're seeing that Ten Hag clearly doesn't like about certain players, whether it be popular ones or unpopular ones. So I think it's difficult when you look at that selection that you put out there. Some of it is enforced. Some of it is off the back of the international break. And that is a factor. You know, managers are looking at players' fatigue levels and you work around that. But why were Man United bad? I think, first of all, put that to one side and ask the question, why is Scott McTominay playing behind a striker? Now, it's very easy for people to say he scored goals for Scotland. I don't think Ten Hag's that thick. I don't think Ten Hag goes, suddenly I've got a new number 10 in my squad because he scored goals at international level. But I think you're seeing the bits of the jigsaw as it evolves over time about what the manager thinks about his his like demographic of players or what his players actually do for him. And I still think that we have problems in the squad, which can only be solved through the transfer window. So that's why we will be talking about transfers in the weeks ahead, because it's an important part of the rebuild. But here you've gone now, full circle, Scott. You ran into Brentford when you were at your lowest. That was the Ronaldo period around then. How do you score goals? How do you keep your striker happy? How do you create? You're trying to press, but you're not pressing. And what happens? You go to Brentford, you lose 4-0. You're now running into Brentford just as you're in that fog and that malaise once again. You just said there, you know, you've got two games to hand on Spurs. I think United could lose those two games. Mm -hmm. The alarm bells are ringing in my head. I'm watching this as a fan, as a a pundit, as someone who looks at tactics, and I'm seriously worried. I look at it. Now, weeks and months gone by when we've played badly, I've gone, not worried, he'll fix it because you've got players, you can do the X, Y, and Z. No. The manager's clearly worried. If he's putting out that selection at Newcastle, there is something not right in the squad. And for Luke Shaw to come out afterwards, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, to say that we're having the same yap, yap, yap in the dressing room between the players and we're disagreeing and we're not happy with some of the commitment. I think when your senior players comes out and says that, I think you've got to listen. Luke Shaw's on the verge of signing a new long-term contract Yeah, uh, with United. Four years, I do believe. Yeah. Obviously, is it does seem to be the one who's coming out and talking to the media after. It's always when United lose. It's never, never really when they win, is it? Um, he said that, didn't he? Mm. He went, "I come out when we lose." I, I, he said, it was interesting. He said the words. It's funny phraseology, and you look at things. He went, "I think I'm honest." It was like pause, and then he was like, "But I do think when we lose these games, I say the same things," and you're like. Mm, okay, what's going on here? So, like Luke Shaw, he does. He's the one who comes out and fronts up, isn't he? Whereas quite a few of them just scuttle away and are very quiet and go on their socials and might post a tweet here or there about how sad they are that they lost once again. I like it that Luke Shaw does that, but I thought Luke Shaw was terrible against Newcastle. And I actually think his performances are a part of the problem, but not as an individual. But you see the issues at left back for him, that if the rest of the team isn't working, it's very, very hard to progress the ball. I will say nobody was good. No. Maybe Anthony Martial was the only player I was marginally encouraged by just because of the fact that he was on the pitch and he can control the football. Um, 10 minutes of it. (laughs) It was like, it felt all right, didn't it? (laughs) Uh, I've seen a lot of criticism for Vout Veghorst. I've seen a lot of criticism for Scott McTominay, for Luke Shaw, as we just mentioned there, Mm. Dallo, David De Gea. For me, this isn't just one person. No. It's not not their fault really what i did want to bring up was i don't know if this is this has actually been noticed yet but from what i ah, no it was two of his own signings so eric ten Hag started anthony and lisandro martinez mm. and they are the two signings that he's made but obviously <laughs> he signed two midfielders in the summer for a reason right yeah and they're both obviously not available uh plus I'm not going to count the two loan signings because they are just gap fillers, you know. About Veghorst is essentially, and I know that Ten Hag has hinted that he might stay longer because he likes some of the some things that he brings, but obviously we know his limitations. That's not a long-term fix. I think there, there were only two of Ten Hag's longer-term fixes in that team coming over from Ajax who were actually playing that day. Sabitzer is still not up to speed. About Veghorst is about Veghorst. To me, that was Eric Ten Hag working with the remnants of a flawed transfer strategy over the years who've got a habit of losing in pathetic fashion. And 
That's what Luke Shaw was talking about. And Luke Shaw, <laughs> you could even throw Luke Shaw in that box, but I think what needs to happen here, um, I don't know where you sit on this, Rob, but I think the suggestions that Ten Hag wants a ruthless clear out uh, have a lot of kudos to them because this is a problem that keeps happening and has kept happening for years. And Luke Shaw keeps talking about it as well every time United lose. Mm. They have a habit of just not bothering in games and then they ended up ended up losing them. If this could have been 4-0. This could have been 4-5-0 again. It was mm. just lucky on the day that Newcastle were quite wasteful. Yeah, and I went with the narrative that I thought United in the first half at Anfield were better than at any point when yeah, they when they when they, in this game against Newcastle. And the thing is, it's it's really difficult for us to talk massively about attitude because if you if you kind of try and make that equate to results, and yeah, if you if your attitude's bad on the day or stuff's not working, you lose football matches. Oh, whoopie do! Isn't that an amazing bit of analysis? But the point is, is that you've got to ask why. You know, so you just said there, you gave a really good reason and, and it is pertinent. This goes down to a flawed transfer strategy for many, many years from the Glazers. So that's on the Glazers. But we know in football that that's not a reality. So, you know, Graham Potter, for example, Graham Potter goes to Chelsea. Chelsea go buy £600 million worth of players. Is that on Todd Bowley or is that on the manager? Well, there's only one person who's getting sacked in that scenario. So goodbye, manager, another manager comes in. I think Eric Ten Hag, you know, the, the narrative now, of course, is about this clear out. And this clear out has been talked about, Scott, for about four years. So there and is they've never no, done it. And there's going to be no clear out. Why? Because clubs don't generally clear out. And the reason for that is they have com- commitments to contracts and managers don't want to cut their nose off to spite their faces. Like, what's Ten Hag supposed to do? Yeah, give me 12 players and just get rid of the other 12. No, because then you haven't got options. So you still need options. And this goes back now to, like you said, you didn't want to talk about the, the loan signings. I'm going to talk about them. You brought Veghorst in because you you absolutely highlighted that when you needed a striker, just any kind of striker, but you really needed a striker that worked hard and did the press. And the stats show that when you got rid of your guy to Saudi Arabia who did no pressing and brought the guy in who does press, that you've won a much higher percentage of games than you've lost or or failed in. But the problem without Veghorst is that he's never going to be an elite Premier League goal scorer, is he? So we have to look at it for the now and the future. And we do know that United will be looking at a striker, but it really goes back a long way as to why these things are a problem. I don't think we're going to see this miraculous clear out. You might see one, two, three, four leave and one or two come in and that's how you do it. That's normal business in this game. But you look at this and you can still see there are corners of the squad from top to bottom that are a problem. In this game, Scott, you've got quite a few players available. This is not like Casemiro is not there. That's why you lose. You look deeper. People need to be able to pass the ball, Scott. If you're a professional footballer, you need to be able to put the ball on the deck and make acute decisions in the five or ten yard passing. We still have problems with that. I, well, I yeah, that is I, as a result of the flawed transfer strategy where United bought players who can't pass. Exactly. But, like, come on. Like, it, it, we can only go back so far. At the end of the day, these players have to take responsibility for themselves. They're on a lot of money. They're all internationals. It's up to them to make it work. for months and years. Yeah, but, this is, but, but we've been saying it for months and years. But the irony of all of this and the spin of all of this is Man United have been comfortably in the top three for a long time. Now you're not in the top three. So you have to ask the question again as to the now and the here. Because there's no point talking about Frankie de Jong coming in the future or Harry Kane because they will fix things. But you've got to fix it now, Scott. That's why the alarm bells are ringing. Man United hopefully should make fourth. And that's where I'm looking at it now. Because <laughs> Newcastle are just going to carry on, aren't they? I think Newcastle will carry on to the end of the season. And they've got their form back. Isak's in their team. And Isak, I think, is the cornerstone of the good stuff that they do. You look at Man United. Who are the cornerstones? Well, maybe Rashford when he plays well, but you've got to create for these players. And if you don't create for your forwards, you're going to lose games. It starts in the midfield and that's where it begins and it ends. Yeah. uh, On the Newcastle line, I mean, I think they've got a pretty tough running. I know that they'll win some games, but I'm I'm not, I don't think they'll be winning 11 games in a row. Let's just put it that way. They've got three away games coming up away at Brentford, away at Aston Villa in the next week or so. So 
it's not all doom and gloom for United. They have dropped to fifth. Uh, but if they continue to perform in that fashion, they will continue to slide down the table. So they knew, they do need to find some answer in the next two games because Casemiro is suspended for the both of them. And I know that you just mentioned there about it simply being that Casemiro isn't there. And that's not the case. I actually think it's a large, large part to do with it because of his positioning, his ability to pass the ball forwards, his yeah. standards, which he's come in and he's raised them. And when he plays, he raises them. There's a reason why United's record with Casemiro is a lot better than without. Uh, yeah, I mean... I agree with that, Scott. I agree with that, Scott. Like We are better with Casemiro in the team. I'm not trying to kind of jump on your observation. You had Casemiro in your team at Anfield, you lost 7-0. So like the the thing is, there are anomalies in this season where, yeah, we know the obvious stuff. We know what works. Like We know the players that have done well, and we know the players that don't do so well and the unpopular ones. But I think this is the problem, is that we boil everything down to one or two things. And unfortunately, it's probably like seven or eight things. And it's always the little kind of margins. And yes, if you have Casemiro against Newcastle, you might do better. But come on, if you're professional footballers, you've got to do some of these basic things better. And you can't go, oh, we just didn't have the Brazilian in our team. <sighs> like, this is what I get exasperated with. So, like, I think that this is where players find excuses and they cling on to them. Because it's like, oh, this one player wasn't doing this. Good teams don't do that. Newcastle had Longstaff and Willock in their midfield, and they created nine chances, and Man United created one from midfield. That's not good enough. That shows your standards are not good enough. So you've got that, and you can look at those comparisons, and they're the kind of alarm bells. Because I think to myself, these guys that play for Man United, it's either do the job or get out. And that's kind of well, where I think the, the thing, manager will be. They, they've proven over and over again that they can't do the job and you can't get them out yet. So you're exactly. stuck in a quandary. Yeah, in the, in the, because in, you, you in can, the here you and can now demand you that You can demand that these players pass the ball better, but they've proven every single time that they can't. Yeah. So what do you do with it? You have to just get through these and you just have to get to the point where your players who you signed for a reason to pass the ball and to not leave gaping holes in the, in the middle of midfield. Yeah, you need them back, and it's, yeah. I I think personally it's as simple as that. But I th- I think the like, yeah I agree with you. But I think when you look at that midfield question, I think that was the big highlight between the two midfield threes is that their midfield three didn't just win the ball back and were more combative, but they actually created more and got into the final third more. Now you look at maybe the DNA and the profile and the chemical fit of what Manchester United put out that day in that midfield three. But that midfield three, as a collective, with their experience and what they do, should be doing better. Better than Willock and better than than Longstaff. Those two players would be derided at Manchester United. Man United fans would look at them if they played for us and be like, no, don't put them anywhere near our team. So I, I think this is kind of where Ten Hag is caught between a rock and a hard place. And maybe we are as well in observation is because you've got good players out there, Scott. So why are these good players not doing what they're supposed to do? Why is Ten Hag setting his team up to mitigate problems as opposed to pushing you forward? So I think this is it now. We've got Brentford game coming up. We've got Everton coming up. Two dogs of war teams who are going to come out there, put their chin out to you and say, punch us and we'll count and punch you. Let's see what happens. Everton, you can see, have kind of just their attitude levels are doing this and it worries me because I think they're going to turn up at Old Trafford and they're going to be like, well, if that Man United turn up, we're going to go long, we're going to hit you and then someone like Michael Keane's going to score from like 30 yards mm. in the top corner. You know, you get those miraculous moments in football, don't you? So it's. I think there is a little bit of a worry now. I don't want to kind of uh, alarm people, but I think when you look at this and you look at the squad and what the squad can do, yeah, get Casemiro back. But my God, get Ericsson back. You need someone in the middle of the park that can pass the ball and then create for your forwards. You know, Veghorst can do nothing at the nine if the 10, the eight and everything behind him are not doing their jobs creatively. He's got no chance because he's going to get one chance. He's going to hit the side netting like he did at Newcastle. And then people are going to spend the whole week going, Valt Veghorst is rubbish. Uh, Yeah, we know. (laughs) So I think that's the problem with all of this is that we kind of we go back to the tropes of Manchester United. You know what I mean? The stuff that's the obvious stuff. Yeah, the man just to fix it, but transfer windows coming. I'm sure he will. But also with the ownership, it's a massive question now. How much money will be on the table to attract players if they do indeed stay? That's another conversation for another day. So the situation won't change. 
uh, in terms of players coming back, unless mm. uh, Ten Hag confirms that they they will. I think it's later today. He actually speaks to the press. Yes, but not expecting anything. Obviously, Casemiro no. is suspended. So how do they get through these games then? Because your options in midfield are Bruno Fernandez, Scott McTominay, Marcel Sabitzer, and Fred, and young lads. Lisandro Martinez is not going to play six, <laughs> like we advocated a few weeks ago. Um, what what is he going to do? Because they they obviously need to match Brentford's energy. And Luke Shaw said post match that the players stay behind and under conversation among themselves. Yeah, it is. It's an application question. Yeah, as well as a technical question. Yeah, can they get by with just adjusting their attitude? Well, I think it goes a long way to help. So, like, again, when you got hammered by Brentford early in the season, we all assess that as they've just got bad attitudes and it's the same old Ole Gunnar Solskjaer problems going back that these players maybe are a bit big-time Charlies and when they go to fight teams, they haven't got the fight in them because they don't think that way. I don't think that we are there at that point anymore. I think Eric Ten Hag has instilled a certain level of discipline. You you led the show off, you know, with big with bad habits die hard, and I totally believe that. Is that that quite often at United in scenarios of um, where you're trying to deal with ad, uh, problems in the moment that they just kind of look in the mirror and don't like what they see, and that's a problem. So that's all about habits, and that's about actually saying, do you know what? You're not playing so well. We've got to keep trying to pass the ball. Like, like, there's no point of us saying, oh, these players have proved they can't do it. In the moment, if you're on a football pitch, your job is to pass that damn football. So we've got to stick with it. You can't go anywhere but stick with the plan. And I think this is where Ten Hag is, is that Ten Hag's not going, right, we just go long, or we just try and keep the ball away from De Gea, or we're looking just for to play on the counter-press. You've got to still do all those things, Scott. So it starts for me. So if I'm a solutions guy, it starts with me who play Bruno Fernandes at 10. You've got to play Bruno at the 10. You cannot say that Scott McTominay is a better 10 than he is. It starts there. You need someone that creates in the 10 and can do those things. Now, the reason why the manager is not playing him there is, again, another show, another reason. But we can't carry on like this. Like Bruno picking the ball up at the six means that your most dangerous creator in your team is 70 yards away from the goal and you created once in that whole match at Newcastle. So it starts there. It starts at the, at the business end of the pitch. But then, like you said before, like who plays in those deeper roles? You're going to have to play. The return Fred. of Merck Fred. It, it, <laughs> but, but I think, again, does it need to be one or the other? Like, I think this is the thing. You don't need to go to a double pivot on McFred. You don't really, really don't have to do that. We've talked about Martin as doing that job and you could do that. What I didn't like was like you saw Lindelof came on in the game in the latter stages and Lindelof got absolutely cooked and he was only on the pitch for like 20 minutes. So don't go there. <laughs> like that's, that's the way I look at it. Don't go to Scotty at the top end of the pitch. These are all things I think the manager can influence on the training ground and in selection before you have the problems. So I, I think, you know, we've given Ten Hag a lot of his dues, but I think he made mistakes in that Newcastle yeah, game. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that because yeah. this was... I think he, he he deserved the criticism for it. Really, he made some bizarre moves, bizarre choices, bizarre yeah. substitutions. Um, is he just trying to be too clever? Yeah, I I think he he went along the lines, didn't he? And he said this in his pressers that with his changes, that he kind of he likes them to be enforced. So, like, if you got injuries, then of course you can change stuff around. But you could see that he was trying to play this four one five all the time, no matter what. Now, United have kind of creeped away from that from the press. They're still doing it. They're just not doing it as well. And you see that in the metrics. So United were more like a 4-3-3 at Newcastle and a kind of conventional one. It hurts you because you haven't got that whole whole territory in front of you. You're not working the space. So I want to see United get back to that. And you have players that can do that job. Like, this, let's not pretend you haven't. If you haven't got Casemiro as your number six, that you can't play that system. Of course you can. You just maybe not be able to play it as well. But it's so much better than what you're putting out there. So I think on the manager, you have to question those things because that's his choice at the end of the day. One thing I will say is that he sees all the training and he looks at the metrics, he looks at the sports science, and he makes those decisions on those things. So we can moan until we're blue in the face, oh, play Martinez as a number six. There might be reasons why he doesn't want to do that. But I really don't want to see Scott McTominay as a 10 because then you're dead in terms of creativity at the top end, aren't you? You don't have to be an elite manager to understand that. So 
I think some of these selections, when you look at the Brentford game, it poses some unique questions because of the way Brentford put themselves about. I want to see United get back to basic, Scott. Don't worry about not having Casemiro. He's not there. You can't you can't worry about that. That's a problem for another day. Uh, I think Ericsson in the future will give you big upside when he comes back into the team. And I think he might end up being the 10. But you've got to task the Bruno Fernandeses of this squad and say, Bruno, take the game by the throat and run it because you're good enough. You're our top player. And that has to be the trust. The trust has to be there. And I feel, Scott, that trust isn't there for some reason. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I don't know why, it's just from what I see and what I hear. But I want to see Bruno Fernandes as, as the main part of Brentford. I want to see him at the top end of the pitch. And I want to see Marcus Rashford running off him into the channel. And I want to see Veghorst pushing. Veghorst is going to start that game unless Martial is fit. If Martial's not fit, then you're going to see Veghorst again. And that's why Veghorst started every match since he came to the football club. I think I've seen some discourse suggesting that Val Veghorst should never play for Manchester United again over the last few days from... Uh people who go to watch uh, I've had loads <laughs> of tweets. People, people, yeah, look, loads of people send to me worst signing of all time. And obviously people never saw William Prunier back in the day, you know, That's or true. David Bellion. You know, United have made some pretty bad signings over many, many years, and especially in the last 10 years. So I'm telling you this now, Vegas is not the worst. And Vegas has a higher win percentage this year than Ronaldo did. So like, this is the whole point. You're not comparing Ronaldo and Vegas. You're comparing United then to United now. And the whole point is that Man United, actually, till very recently, have been playing okay and winning games and have been third very comfortably. We said a few weeks ago, the key here now is don't get sucked into that debate for fourth and fifth. And that is where you are. Now, that's on you, but you can fix it. So this is the big choice now for I think, Ten Hag when he puts his team out there. The senior players, Scott, have got to step up. One of the things you just said about midfield as well, and I have said this before, and I'm going to say it again one more time, you have got young ball players in your squad, like very young, 18 and 19 year olds. If you think that your ball progression isn't good enough for your senior players, drop them. Play one or two kids who won't lose the ball and will give you 95% pass succession. You know, David uh, Delo had a succession of 79% in that game and gave the ball away 13 times. And if one player does that in your back four, you lose. That's as simple as that. There's no solution about. Casemiro playing or not if one of those players does that you lose game so I still think that he's got options there with the young players play Plestry play Plestry up there give him a go because what we're seeing from maybe some of the senior players isn't to the standard uh let's just did want to talk about one other Ten Hag decision that was that was made the Anthony sub I thought was quite weird What, what was your take on it I know we're a couple of days removed but I thought of the players who were half decent, 
there weren't any of them really. I thought Martial was okay when he came on. And I actually thought Anthony carried the ball quite well. He gave the ball away a few times, but I think he gave Dan Byrne a bit of a a bit of a problem for most of the afternoon. And then obviously we know about the fact that he offers the balance. We know he can carry the ball. We know he can he doesn't release it soon enough, like quickly enough often. But to make that substitution was bizarre to me. It, it wasn't a tactical substitution, was it? It's, it's all to do with the international break. Managers are obsessed with sports science. So some players fly to the other side of the world and come back and there's not a scratch on them. Other players do long haul, come back, do the fitness test, do the oxygen test, do the health test, and you see there's a dip. And managers then go, can't play him 90 minutes, can only play him 60. So for me, I think that can be the only reason. You go look at Brighton, Matoma kind of went all the way around the world and came back and just looks like Matoma. Now, they might have less choices at Brighton than Man United. Man United maybe have a glut, a, a more talent, but I think that's what that comes down to. You've you got to say, like, Jadon Sancho, you know, hasn't been doing a lot the last few weeks, has he? It would have made sense to start him. There must be a reason why he's not starting. We know this. Marcus Rashford is injured still. <laughs> Marcus Rashford is being forced to play. And and um, Eric Ten Hag said after the game, it was really interesting, he talked about the left and the right. And he said the right was okay at times, but the left, we did nothing. That was his words. We did nothing on the left. But Marcus is on the left. He's injured. So what are you going to do? Like Luke Shaw didn't have a good game either, did he? So I think, again, this all comes down to players taking responsibility. But but if the manager looks at the health report and says, Anthony can do an hour and that's all I can get out of him, then we have to kind of respect that in a way. I'd have preferred Anthony to play because I thought he played all right, like you said. And yeah. I think he's a fighter. And I think he gave Dan Byrne some real issues on toast. Like there, like Dan Byrne was there munching away at it. He doesn't like playing against him, Dan Byrne, does he? Dan Byrne was like, I can't get near this lad, so I'm going to kick him. And I think you you carry on that one because you might get them down to 10 men. You know, that's how you work with it. But I do think that Ten Hag had some preconceived ideas about this game, hence why he played McTominay at the 10 and Bruno deeper. But that's on the manager, isn't it? Like the manager has to make those real-time choices and make sure that the substitutes work. The substitutions were bad, Scott. That was his opportunity to make to try and change it. But those guys that came on, like you said, Martial looked okay, but I didn't think Sancho did anything. Like yeah, came on and dripped. Drifted into position. And, and 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 Jaden Sancho, we've also we want him to be the number seven. We want it to work. But as time goes on, we're talking about clear outs here. You also got to look at your big players that command the biggest fees. And if you want to reinvest money, it's no good talking about losing Scott, Scott McTominay. You're going to get 15, 20 million for. That's not going to help you rebuild. That's just a wage off. And he's on one of the lower wages. So it's the senior players. It's the, it's the players who are on the highest wages and have the highest expectations. They're the ones that will get sacrificed in the summer if you truly are thinking about right, pushing your rebuild a lot further. How many players from that first choice? I'm going off script here. How many players from that, not that 11 that we saw at the weekend, mm. before its final form, how many of these players that usually start do you think have the metal and the quality to be in the team in its final form in, say, two years? I, th- I think managers start with a philosophy. They want they have an idea of how they want their teams to play. And they go to the training ground and they sell it to the guys. And the truth is, Scott, and I've heard this from footballers so many times and I've had discussions with them, the way it works is that the people that buy in stay, whatever, whether they're good or not, whether they're top players or not, if you buy into the manager and you do all the work behind the scenes, you stay because it's about trust. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was like that. Actually picked his teams on players he trusted, not on quality. And that was part of a problem. I think with Eric Ten Hag, there is a balancing point there. So you said which players. I think when you look through the thing, it's very, very easy to say the new players will all still be here. I don't think there's any of the new players that you can kind of really debate with. I think you can look at some of the senior players, like maybe the likes of Varane, who will obviously still be there. Luke Shaw's going to get a new contract. Marcus Rashford's going to get a new contract. Um, then I think when you look towards the fringe or players who are starters and you want them to start, I do really think that he will be looking in the summer at a nine and a 10. So the nine's already gone. Ronaldo's off into the sunset. Bruno Fernandes is still at the football club. I think Bruno's place is at jeopardy. I really do, because you either play him at 10 or you don't play him. And I think that's going to be the solution going forward. I don't put it all on Bruno. I think that Bruno's infinitely our best number 10 at the football club. But the manager is going to have to make that choice. 
right back is an issue, isn't it? Delo, I think, is now showing that he's gone from being people saying best fullback in the world to literally not pickable. Like I would, I don't think you can play Delo at right back at the moment. He looks so bad for whatever reason. So I think you might go out and buy a right back. You might also then go and find your Casemiro alternative. You might have to go and get a midfielder that can do some of the defensive work, the number six work. So straight away, Scott, that's kind of like four or five positions that you can just have to top of your head before you've even talked about David Haya. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like you're talking 50 million for a new goalkeeper. Oh, I think Eric Tenog probably looking at it and going, I've got bigger problems. Yeah, that's probably down the list. Uh, Who I would you often... do? You tell us, Scott. Who would you do? Like, I mean, you're the manager today. Tell me what you would do. What, what, what What's the bit that maybe people don't highlight for whatever reason, whether it's popular or unpopular, but you see and you think, actually, that really needs fixing? Well, I think everything's been, I think everything's been pretty stressed, but asking myself the same question, I just ask you, I think there's six, five or six players in that team who won't exist in that team in its final form. Tell me them. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it Dan for the camera. Bahia, Rafa Varane, probably. Just because, you know, you need a centre-back who can start all the time. Uh, Diogo Dallo or Wan-Bissaka. Eight and ten. And striker. That's quite a lot of players, that, isn't it? It's quite a lot of players. It's <laughs> the whole team. Uh, I've, I've seen, yeah. I've seen uh, Manchester Evening News throw around James Madison's name today. As in... I love that. Just, it's, a, it's a, more of an opinion piece rather than... Uh, anything solidified but he's obviously Leicester could go down you know they could and they've sacked the manager so they've gone into the rebuild now so like this is the thing I think James Madison's their biggest asset and it would be the easiest player to move James Madison is a hardcore Manchester United fan loves the club has always loved the club always talked about the club behind the scenes and would love to come. And I think, like, I think we did talk about James Madison earlier in the season. And again, I kind of said, oh, you could have his ten, and people went, oh, but you got Bruno. I actually think James Madison fits the Ten Hag model more as a 10 because he drifts into spaces and doesn't lose the ball. Mm. And I think the manager does want that. He wants his Tadic, which is what he had before. He wants a player that's really efficient. So efficiency is one of those things I don't think uh, football fans get turned on by because it's like one of those pointless stats like, oh, he didn't give the ball away. But managers love it. It's the big thing. So James Madison there, I think that's a good call. I think Madison would would thrive at United. I think he'd be that kind of player that would puff his chest out and want to be Beckham Mark too. Do you know what I mean? He's That's his hero. And I think he'd love that stage at Old Trafford. What do you think about Madison? Yeah, I think I pretty much completely agree with you. Uh, going for probably 40 million, you'd, you'd imagine, with a year no. left on his contract. Well, he's got a year, is he? Okay. A year left on his contract. 40 million, Ooh. especially if Leicester uh, going through rebuild mode. Yuri Tielemans is leaving as well, you'd imagine. And he's a player whose head you could turn. Like, I think mm-hmm. you could go to him behind the scenes and go, not that tapping up happens, but of course it does, and say, we want you, get yourself out of Leicester, you know, find a way out and we'll buy you. I, I really like James Madison. I think that his metrics in the Premier League are outstanding. Like He's been at the, a really bad Leicester team for quite a while now, and yet he still is one of the top creators, top goal scorers from midfield. And he does all the stuff, I think, Scott, that we moan about at Man United. He does it really well and does it naturally. Then, of course, the big question would be, what do you do with Bruno? That's, that would be huge, wouldn't it, if they bought another number 10? But I think we're trending that way. Yeah, that was my question. Uh, obviously, Christian Eriksen is already there. We're just yeah. talking about him potentially being a number 10 when he comes back. Bruno Fernandes is there. Doesn't seem to be playing number 10 at all. At the Ever. Moment. It's Ever. weird, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think there's probably a way to fit all of the three of them in. I, I, the 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 evolution I saw or I thought of was get rid of Donny van der Beek and bring James Madison in. That was that was the one. I think they can probably all exist together in the same in the same squad because Madison yeah. can play multiple positions as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. That's a conversation for another day. Just something I thought I'd bring up in this show. But back to task at hand. It is Brentford at Old Trafford. Um. <laughs> you're not feeling confident about this. I, I, I know I'm not. Uh, what will he do? If I had to put you on the spot, Rob, what, how is he going to approach this one? Well, the same boxing styles make fights. And in this fight, 
I don't like the styles. They don't work for me in terms of Man United. If United go out there, Scott, and kind of reboot themselves and get back to where they were, then okay, you'll be okay. But you said there, what what will he do? I think he'll go back to basics. I think he'll go back to the 4-1-5 at Old Trafford. You'll put the emphasis on the players. He'll say, you go out there and fix this. You go out there and show, especially after Brentford did you 4-0, that, that, that that's a different world. That, that we've, we've left that world. We've already won a trophy and we've been in the top four all season pretty comfortably. So... I think we'll we'll see something a little bit more familiar. I think Newcastle he was forced to maybe do a certain certain things. I think we might see Wan Bissaka coming back from sickness if he's fit and play it right back. And I think I, I said I said after Newcastle you might not see Delo again this season. I really believe that. I think you might see Wan Bissaka nail down that right back squad because he gives you defensive stuff and he gives you offensive things. I think in the midfield. We've got to find a way now that while you haven't got Casemiro and Eriksen, that you utilise Fred and Sabitza more. Some way just to make sure that you're shoring it up. They're not the elite ball progressors, but you've got to then go and let your flair players go and do the flair stuff at the other end where, where you score goals and win games. So I think we gave that away against Newcastle and we need to refine that quickly. So I think that's what the manager will do. Fred, long haul again, comes back. Yeah, that was sit on the bench. Otherwise, you play Fred, don't you? And then that changes the whole shape of the team. It really does because Fred will go and do some of the deeper work that you were asking Bruno to go and do. Uh, Sabitzer, you said there there about you know coming up to speed, and the manager has said that about Sabitzer, and and it's just mad. He's been at the club since January. We're, We're now in like coming up like we're April, like like he's not been there two weeks. So would you sign him? I think stylistically again and the profile of the player the absolute question that is yes like if he, if he was available for 10 to 20 million you've got to think about squad building in that vein you cannot sign players like Chelsea for 70 80 million in every position in multiple positions you can't do that because there's not enough money in the world so if you can add players at value end and this is the Veghorst question like you don't want Veghorst as your starting nine ever 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 you might want him in your squad as an option to press because you might need it now and then. So Sabitzer, yeah, I would sign him. And I th- actually think if you brought Sabitzer in, that puts players like McTominay and Fred at jeopardy long-term because they're part of the issues going back historically. And I think the manager might look at that. Fred's played well this year, hasn't he, overall? But Fred is still part of the problem. <laughs> Fred is still not good enough to do those things. You've got to find players that can give you a rounded edge on those things. So, yeah, I'd take Sabitzer, would you? I've decided over the last few weeks, last few performances, that even if it is 10 million, yeah. 15 million. But is that out of reaction? Is that because you've seen no, it and you, I, I you think... don't feel it? Is that the thing? Yeah. Is this feelings? Potentially. I mean, like we've we've spoken on this show a number of times about why it's all right to sign Harry Kane when he's turning yeah. 30 or why Casemiro, even though he's 31, 30, is a good option. If you do that too much that is a potential issue. And I think if you go and replace, let's say Scott McTominay with Marcel Sabitz, who's also turning 30, I think he's around that age. I think that is, if you scout well enough, if you know your targets well enough, there's probably someone you might need to pay a little bit more for um, who's of a better age, um, who'll cost a little bit more, but obviously in the long run, it'll be much better off for you. Uh, that That's kind of how I feel on Sabitz at the moment. Veghorst, same thing. I wouldn't sign him mm. either. Um, but, you know, maybe at some point soon, Rob, I don't know whether this will be the end of the season, we'll do a who stays, who goes show. We will. They're quite fun, actually. But you know what? You just said there about, about players and bring them in and whatnot. Yeah, you look, Camavinga was available for 20 million. He went to Real Madrid. So there are players out there yeah, exactly. of that ilk and that standard that you can go and get. And you've also got young players that you need to utilise. And it's the thing, like, Garnacho has proved it this year that he's part of the rotation. He's proved he's got his way in there. He's got in the Argentina squad and he's now injured. So you're missing him, aren't you? Like, going against Newcastle, you miss someone dynamic like uh, Garnacho, who you could have probably started in a wider role, maybe then played Rashford up top. You know, it gives you options, doesn't it? I- I'm still going to keep banging the drum for Zidane Bow and for Kobe Manu because I think th- this is part of the solution. It's not everything, but it's part of your solution. That If you need ball players, use the ones that you've got and then go and buy some. And don't say every week, oh, but Scott can't pass the ball, so we can't pay him as a six anymore. Because what happened against Newcastle? You went back to that anyway. 
He went back and played number six, didn't he, the last half an hour? So do that for the first hour as well. So I think you need that balance. Yeah, you do need to solve it in the transfer window. But I'm always of the ilk that you can't make choices in football on feelings. You've got to make it on the technical data available. That's why, how it works. I think when you look at Sabitza as a player and you look at Vegas as a player, they are valid squad options at the cheaper end of the spectrum. And I think if you can go and get both for 10 million, it would not surprise me at all if this manager goes and gets them because he's done that plenty of times in his career at his former clubs. And there is going to be a little bit of balance in the book, Scott. If the Glazers stay and want to take their reinvestment with the Elliott Group or someone like that and put it into the new stadium and you're going to have to pad your squad out with a few £10 million footballers. So I think that someone like Sabitzer might well stay. However, now Tuchel is at Bayern Munich. I would not be surprised to see him go back because I think Sabitzer would work really well under Tuchel. I think the suggestion since he's come in is that there's no real change on Bayern's end. Mm. But you probably have to ask a question of if Bayern are willing to get rid of him for cheap. (laughs) <laughs> well, he was a he was a Nagelsmann signing, wasn't he? So, like, he was a, you know he's one of Nagelsmann's guys, you know, and that's why he came to the club. But his reputation in the Bundesliga for the last two or three years has been huge. People look at Sabitzer, and a lot of people have said he's like the best forward-thinking central midfielder in the division. And yet, he's come to Man United, and we're still going. Oh, he's trying to find his feet of what he does. It's like, well, let him do some of the stuff he does well. Push him five further forward. Play him at the top end of the pitch. So. I think he's a player definitely is valid. And I still think Veghorst, after all of this, with a win percentage of 65% or something like that, when he starts as a striker compared to Ronaldo's 40%, then I do think that he is another player that's a valid squad addition. But certainly, certainly, certainly next year, you don't want him being your starter. Uh, we'll round off today just with a, a final thought. I would, I just want to see Anthony Martial fit. Uh, gotcha. and, uh, <laughs> fix him fix the boy put the batteries just, in just, just come back man uh, we miss him was... massively like we yeah, mass- really like someone who's technical at the top end who can do the press and can create and he had that one chance in the Newcastle game didn't he and it was deflected and you look at that and that's the guy you want the ball falling to in the box not Veghorst I said to you off camera I think you can actively see the players not creating for Veghorst because they believe he won't score that is the problem. That's actually the issue because you need a holistic approach. So, yeah, anti Martial, let's get him fit. Let's hope he can stay fit for that period. But if he's if he's not fit, Scott, you still got you still got to cope with it. You still got to get round the problem and win football matches because there is no there's no wiggle room at the end of this season. You've got to win these games. You've got two games on hand on Spurs. You give those two games up, you're coming fifth. Yeah, that is. I hope you enjoyed that <laughs> sesh. It's more of a cathartic conversation. Uh, cathartic, uh, maybe I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's the wrong word. Actually, like, yeah, I don't feel any better. No, <laughs> what make me feel better is if United pull their socks up a little bit on Wednesday. But we'll, we'll wait and see. And they need to. They need to take responsibility. Like we complete to uh, we we go on blue in the face and all of these things. However, these players have to prove it. And I think the manager will be saying that as well. Like. If Luke Shaw's coming out and saying those things, it's obviously the vibe at the club is that some of you lot need to do better and be better. You know, I can't say you're on a 200 grand a week and you can't pass a football. Well, yeah, that's the Glazers' fault, but it's actually your fault because you need to pass the ball better. So you have to put the responsibility on the players and make sure they do it. You said they're about Varane as well. I think, unfortunately, you need to find a way of keeping these players fit and healthy. Like, if you lose the core of the squad for any reason, minutes even, you're just so exposed, aren't you? And Terry Tenag, I think, will be up at night, worried about those things, thinking about that in his sleep. Well, let's hope he had a good night's sleep because he's going to face the media later today. You probably, when you're listening to this, you'll you'll have already seen what he's had to say. Uh, but United played Brentford on Wednesday night at Old Trafford. Uh, United need to get back to winning ways. And if they win their next two games, big if at the moment, but if they win their next two games... Is kicking the can down the road. Just just get through to the end of the season, come in the top four, win the Europa League, and that will be an amazing season. Ivan Tony scares me. He scares me. I just I just think if they create for him on that back line and get behind United's back four or get behind the defensive midfield position, Tony's hot. It's just you just you just worry, don't you? You worry, especially the way how direct Brentford are and how brittle Man United can be. Can you imagine if Delo does play and the ball gets swung to the back post? Yeah, Tony's going to beat him in the air. I, I did laugh at one point uh, when you said about Wan-Bissaka coming in 
and Dallow never playing again this season. And I kind of laughed because I thought I was like, oh my god. I'm praying Honestly, Brian Wambasaka to play. <laughs> this is the this is the conundrum you're in, isn't it? And it's crazy because it shouldn't be like that. But this is why player standards have to be big within themselves, Scott. And I think when you look at Delo, for whatever reason it is, he had a knock around the World Cup. I think all of the hyperbole before the World Cup about him being the best right back in the league was all a load of rubbish. And I said it out loud. I was like, yeah, his form's good, but it's about class that's permanent. This right back hasn't got the class to play at this level. Not not every week. He's not Luke Shaw on the other side. Luke Shaw has class, and then you try and work with the form. Whereas I think with Delo, it's like everything is form, and he doesn't have the fundamentals to be that good. As I think that ball goes over the back post, and we saw it in this game as well again in Newcastle. You get beaten because you're under the ball every time. We've seen that with Wambasaka as well, haven't we? He gets caught under the ball. Man United have to fix these things in real time. Otherwise, you lose football matches. You come fifth. And then do you know what, Scott? That League Cup means nothing. You win the League Cup and come fifth, this season will feel like a failure. That'll be it for us today. We'll be back Thursday. Uh, probably quite early on Thursday, we'll record uh, just to get back to you after the Brentford game. Let's hope United can pull Hopefully their socks up. Talking uh, about a win. like yeah, you know, Pull their let, socks up. Let's hope. Uh, but by no means a guarantee at the moment. Brentford have already smashed United 4-0 this season. Uh, but yes, uh, we'll be back Thursday. Subscribe wherever you get your pods. Watch us on YouTube as well and subscribe to the channel. We usually record Tuesdays and Fridays, but like I say, with Easter coming up this week, it is Thursday for us after the Brentford game. We'll look ahead to Everton on Saturday as well. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us too, and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thanks for another show. Unfortunately, it was another one talking about how crap Man United are. But that's football, though, isn't it? You get them the breaks. When things are good, you talk about the good stuff. When things are bad, you unfortunately have to talk about the bad stuff. Yes, indeed. Hopefully, we'll be back Thursday to talk about more good stuff. But until then, see you soon, everyone. Thanks for watching. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.